This podcast is brought to you by our partners at 8 Star Energy. 8 Star Energy, a clean energy company, leading the future of portable and renewable energy. To find out more, follow them on Facebook at 8 Star Energy. I want a tagging purpose for football all the time. Now we've got our backs against the wall and we're going to fight and we're going to fight hard. You've got to show me all the guts and all the determination you've got in your body. You've got to inspire me. A marvellous kick. That's as good as you'll ever see. And Footscray are back in front. From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. From inside the centre. <laughs> G'day Dogs fans, welcome to the first ever episode of Danny Boyd, a brand new Bulldogs podcast featuring me, Danny McGinley, and with me for all of the episodes, we assume, he might take a sickie, who knows, he might have to go to the Cayman Islands, talk to his accountant, is Premiership hero, former number one draft pick, and uh, Norm Smith medal runners-up, Tom Boyd! Yeah, it's exciting to be here. I mean, I've sat in this other chair many times, but never as a co-host, it's always been what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And it's nice to have a bit more autonomy in a, in a podcast field. It's very exciting for me. So, so this is the, your first ever podcast hosting shift? Yeah, first wow. ever. I mean, I've, I've done countless podcasts. The amount of requests that I turned down last year alone would have made up at least five or six seasons for a, a decent-sized show. But um, to actually be in the seat and a bit more control and, and to sort of be doing something we're both excited to do is, uh, is great. So. <laughs> and how, we're gonna, we are going to have normally a guest with us. So uh, first of all, let's just put that out to the listeners. If, if you have any requests for past players, current players, famous fans, people who have helped the club in any way or any anyone with a good story, uh, let us know. We do have, we've set up socials already. We're very organised. Yeah, it's all um, come together pretty quickly. And I mean, we don't just have to have Bulldogs people. I mean, the Bulldogs is definitely the theme. Yep. Um, but we are, you know, interesting one comedian. I mean, <laughs> obviously being me, but uh, also um, <laughs> we do a lot of public speaking. We do a lot of stuff together and uh, it's exciting. Exciting to see what we can bring and sort of collaborate on and, and come up with something that's entertaining. Though it is a very, it's just an exciting time of the year. No one has lost a men's game yet. Uh, the, uh, the season launch was a couple of days ago. And it's just every – have you noticed the media are just talking up the dogs a lot? I feel like this has been a common thread for at least the last few years, right? I mean, we do look incredible, particularly through the midfield. I mean, it's just it's <laughs> extraordinary how much talent we have in there. We have an 18-man midfield. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. We've got players to come back into the side and we – you know, watching the – the game the other day, it was just extraordinary. The layers and layers of good players we have through the middle of the ground. And, you know, well, who's not to love Bont? I mean, he just looks extraordinary. He's just, just flicking a few lazy goals from 70 metres out. Oh, I loved Anthony Hudson, Hudson's commentary when, he, uh, when Bont just picked it up and kicked it from the boundary. Save it! Save it for the real season, mate! <laughs> he's always had good commentary, Anthony. I reckon he's the most underrated commentator in Australia. He's 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 like he's number one for me. Him yeah. and Steve Quartermain, I love. I love uh, Hamish McLaughlin. Uh, you know, and you know JB and BT. They they're much maligned, but I I like the colour and movement. It's it's a terribly difficult job oh, to yeah. fill time, right? I mean, sitting there watching football, which is not always the most inspiring, and then you get to the end of the year, and we're looking at wind, rain, um, teams who are not going to make the eight, and they're still trying to fill an hours yeah. worth of time between you know 
halftime and the end of the game. Yeah, if you're commentating Gold Coast v Kangaroos, like well done for keeping that interesting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's always really confused me how they managed to fill the time. I did always hear this wonderful story about Dennis, though, that you know he would have this enormous list of um, items that he'd want to say, catchphrases, you know, things that were really interesting. <laughs> And he would go through his notebook before the game to pull out the things that were relevant to the teams that were playing on the day. And then once he said it once, he'd just cross it out and yeah, move on. never again. It's insane. It's an insane ability to have. I know. As, as a stand-up, like, I do my best jokes, you know, several thousand times. So yeah. for him to, to use it and then throw it away, it's just like, dude, come on. You might need that again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Because I've spoken to Hamish uh, McLaughlin about, you know, the call of the goal in the grand final, obviously, and... To hear that he'd had that, he probably had that penciled in for you know five or six dog dogs games before. So this is the the Western Suburbs erupts. Yeah, right. Yep. So he probably he probably had that you know sitting in his in his, in the gun over and over and over again. It's like not this week, not this not week. week. <laughs> and then finally, in the biggest moments, he got to use it, which he must have been happy about. Wasn't it Dennis who said it? Yeah, Dennis. Yeah. Oh, Dennis. Hamish, sorry. sorry, Hamish was telling me about Dennis. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. That makes sense. Although it's not as good. I mean, people just would have heard our intro. We uh, our intro does have the BT call of that guy. And just so you know, I want everyone to know, I put that in. Tom Boyd is not requesting. Please put my greatest highlights in the intro of the podcast. He's a humble man. Oh yeah, sort of. I mean, it's always a good hook to have for people. I mean, I still, whenever I do my sort of mental health speaking stuff, they still request a little sort of intro of football to to get, or well, particularly when I do it at the schools, to to make sure that the kids are paying attention, which is nice. So you play that you play that grab, or you just you just tell the story of that moment. Oh, I have like a, a minute outtake of you know a few of the moments, sort of from the Giants up till. Um, oh, you keep a Giants highlight in there. Yeah, I don't know how they got. I didn't make it. Obviously, <laughs> I'm no good at video editing for starters. But yeah, what was your? I mean, wait, normally we'd have a guest, but today we thought we'd uh, use this as a chance to get to know the hosts. Uh, or, you know, so so Tom, what, what, yeah, tell us about the Giants. Let's get that out of the way. What was what was the hellscape like playing for that uh, that plastic fantastic club? And I'm, I'm by the way, I am so happy to be doing this Bulldogs podcast because uh, on every other broadcast, I have to try and be neutral and hide my biases. I do a terrible job of it, but I have to try and do it here. I'm just going to be completely. There's 17 other loser clubs, and there's the Bulldogs. What was it like playing for one of the loser clubs? Well, I mean, it was an extraordinary period of time in the AFL. So the the Giants were three years in, and um, the Gold Coast Suns must have been five. And yep. you know the pressure was mounting rapidly, and the Giants were tacked onto the back of um, the Gold Coast performance, which had been you know, average at that stage. <laughs> See, that's um, unfair. That's a completely different club. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, everyone painted them with the same brush, which was that these are the, the startups. Right? Yeah, and yeah. you know, we were amongst some seriously, seriously good players, like really, really good players up there, and, and they were all fighting for spots and. We had to deal with a move from you know one part of uh, uh, Sydney Olympic Park to another part, and it was you know it was a massive change over the preseason, and then you know sort of to try and do that ten days after you finish your last physics exam, yeah, and then get drafted on a Thursday on the Gold Coast, come back to Melbourne, you know celebrate with your family and friends on the Saturday, and by Sunday afternoon you're literally in your apartment with a bunch of like terrible furniture that they bought for you. <laughs> It was extraordinary. So you're suddenly an adult. Like there was no transition of, of boy to man. You're you're a man. Deal with this. Yeah, and I mean, put it put it in the simplest term of terms. I so I I knew I was going to the Giants for some time. Yeah. So I had a car shipped up there, um, and it must have arrived only like five or six days after we started, which was really lucky because I live with Josh Kelly, 
and Cam McCarthy, and they didn't get cars until after Christmas. So for the first three or four weeks, <laughs> I was a chauffeur. All right. Um, so there's the Subaru Outback, which my sister still drives till this day, Champagne Gold, beautiful piece of equipment. Um, that was the, the party bus for the first part of my, um, my time at the but what What are what what 18-year-old footballers, you know, what, what, how much partying are you allowed to do? You, you know, I'm guessing it's all, uh, at, you no. know, at best it's a soda water and vodka. Eat, eat, train, uh, eat, train, sleep, repeat. It was like, I mean, you were so tired all the time. Um, hot summer in Sydney. Yeah. And not really, like, used to just the every single day, same temperature, which was which is an interesting change for all of us. And, um, you know, couple that in with training suddenly from 6.30 till 4 or 5. Like, they were big. I've never trained harder than I did at the Giants, so I'll put that out there. Oh, really? It's the hardest preseason I ever did, for sure. Is that because you were a brand new kid, or nah. are you saying that the Giants work harder than the Bulldogs? Well, they train, at least then, they trained much more regimented. So the Bulldogs made a real distinct effort when we got there in 2014, 15, to implement a lot of that conditioning stuff into the training, um, which made it a much happier place to be, because, you know, everyone's like, would rather be kicking the footy around than running laps. Yeah, but okay. at the Giants, we did like blocked running work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then on Saturday. What, what is that? Wait, no, just go slow it down for a muggle. What is blocked running work? Well, so we would do our running session as one block. So it would be, you know, all about running at the start of a session or all about running at the end of a session. And it would be, you know, Mondays it'd be sprint work. So it'd be like 40 meter sprints. We'd do, I don't know, 40 of them or whatever. And then. Wednesdays would be 200s and Fridays would be 500s. And on Saturdays, we'd do two hours of conditioning because you're only allowed to be in the club for two hours. Whereas most clubs, at least these days, use that two-hour block on a Saturday for like light skills work and it's quite fun. Right? Yeah. You do a bit of conditioning. But what, what, are you, what are you, What's even conditioning? Because you know, that, that's, well, conditioning, that's one of those phrases that we hear talked about but for, and, on the, and we nod on the outside going, oh, yeah, conditioning. But yeah. what does it exactly entail? I mean, look, it changes from place to place. But at, at the Giants, we were doing, um, I think a common thing we'd do would be like 10-minute rotational blocks. So you do um, ropes, then you do medicine balls, then you do hill sprints, then you do 200s, then you do like sled pools or whatever and oh it was God. just it was pretty like severely challenging so it's like your, your fitness 45 yeah but cranked up to 11 and you've done 10 k's a day before oh. or 12 days to cap day before and you're already at 35 for the week so oh. um that's why I, I honestly can say i've never trained harder but i've also i never trained less footy than i did at the giants in that year and i think that was part and parcel of the giants obviously trying to, you know, expand the conditioning levels of their players because we were all young. Yeah, and, of course. You know, we weren't at the AFL standard yet, at least not all of us. So, um, yeah, it was a really distinct difference. Far more enjoyable when you're just, like, kicking the footy on a Saturday, you turn up and you're just sort of running amok on. So when you when you say the dogs integrate uh, the training with it, so it's like kick the footy, maybe do a push-up if you drop the mark? No, nah, it's more – it's more. Um, so you'll do a drill and it might be, you know, a handball game, which is a very high-intensity – you know, 5v5, 6v6, whatever the numbers can change and the distance can change depending on how hard they want it to make it. Yeah. Less numbers, bigger field, much harder, obviously. Um, and then with, within that, you do a rotation in between. So you might do that for five or six minutes. You'd have a short 15, 20-metre walk-off and then you'd be doing a 350-metre sprint essentially to the next okay. drill. So, it, cool. But that at least gave you the ability to break up. Instead of doing 10 350s, you were doing, you know, one here – doing yeah, another block yeah. of training. Then you were doing a stride between one drill to another. You'd do a five-minute block instead of a 10-minute block of running. And so it made it a lot more easier to digest the <laughs> amount of running we were doing. 
Um, so it sounds like the Giants really just uh, got the Geneva Convention uh, as what is the worst, you know, that, what, what's the literal definition of torture and then pulled it back 3%. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know about that. But, I mean, you've got to remember that, I mean, Leon was came out of the time of um, the Bulldogs, which would have been tough, like really tough. You're talking the McCartney era. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, no, Leon's even before that because Leon played at the Bulldogs. Oh, I, th- I thought you were talking when he was an assistant, but you're talking about – so he, when he yeah, was he, playing, yeah. He played under Terry Wheeler and would have been Alan Joyce and yeah. – uh, he might have been gone by the time Terry Wallace came up. I'm sure someone will hit us up in socials and let us know. Yeah. But he did go to the Tigers. Yeah, but that flavour of football and training in particular back then was serious, serious hard. Yeah. He would have been part of the first generation that was full-time footy. Yeah, definitely. Rather than, you know, working on a construction site or whatever, yeah. go to training, have a few cigarettes. Yeah. Then play on Saturday. And he was also such a brilliant footballer. I mean, I still remember when we got up there, his like kicking ability was phenomenal, yeah. even then. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I think to blend the two together was was part of his coaching vernacular. That makes sense. Yeah. And what do you, and what do you and then you, you went to the Bulldogs and you know yeah talk, I'm sure we all want to hear how much better it was at the Bulldogs and just the the better people and uh, better fans obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh was was there a, apart from the training conditions was there a definite change in culture that's the word? Uh well I mean Melbourne's culture is extraordinarily different to Sydney's football culture obviously. Um and <laughs> Yeah, you told me once you signed a lot of bulldogs yeah. balls in, when you were a giant, but we're talking Canterbury bulldogs. Canterbury bulldogs, no, no, no doubt. I mean, we used to go out to um, obviously the western suburbs, so we'd be doing sort of Parramatta, Campbelltown, Blacktown. Yep. Um, and one of the distinct changes I always tell people is that we do a, a copious amount of community outreach and you know all that sort of stuff when we're playing and we're trying to engage with you know, the people and, and the fans and trying to expand the growth of the, the fan base for the Giants in particular. And at the Bulldogs, we might do you know a membership phone call and then we'll go out and do a session at um, Ardeen or you know, RDSO and, um, or Sunshine or something like that. And it might take us an hour, an hour and a half plus travel. When we were in the Giants, we were leaving at 7.30 or 8 in the morning and we were driving an hour and a half out to Campbelltown. <laughs> And then we were doing two sessions out there. Often the scheduling for some reason or another would be that we'd come back into town for a school that was, say, inner west. And then we'd go back out to Blackdown and we'd finish out there for a function. We'd be driving back in after 12 hours. I mean, this sounds like the... So yeah, it sounds like you're campaigning it, politically. It, it was it was insane, and then we, you know, this would be in preseason because I didn't want to do it during the year. Yeah, and so we'd go, um, you know, main session, twelve hour day in the car the whole day, and it's like I'm in an outback and I'm six foot seven and got a bad back. Yeah, yeah, and then I'd turn back up in the next day, and you'd be like, Louis Ard, <laughs> been in the sun all day kicking <laughs> rugby balls for kids who didn't want you to be there. <laughs> It was insane. It was truly one of the like the, the craziest things to look back on because I was like, this is just what footy is. You know, this is what AFL you, footy is. You didn't know any better. No, no, yeah. no better. <laughs> and then you went down to Melbourne, you know, with that famous famous trade week where I know I know it wasn't you know Griffin for Boyd, but you know for us from the outside, that's pretty much what it was. And it kind of ended up being that in the long term. I think um, I don't really who was it Marchbank. I think ended up being the pick that the Giants got, and then he came back to Melbourne. To play for the Blues, I think. Okay, could, I think could be. Yep, pick six. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was really interesting because the Giants and the Bulldogs already hated each other. Yep. Now, is that also someone? <clears throat> I think it was JJ once told me part of the reasons that you guys hate the Giants is nothing to do with the, um, you know, Toby Green and the prelim and things like that. It's just all because we're we're too good 
it's generations that sort of grew up playing each other in Tac Cup, and you guys were the best. And 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 a lot of the you know the Giants players, people, the players who ended up playing for the Giants were the best. Players who ended up playing for the Bulldogs were also the best. But there was rivalries. Yeah, I think it's certainly got something to do with it um, because the Wallace Libertore JJ era is similar to the Toby um, yeah. sort of Devin Smith Tom Bug. And they're sort of the same age. Yep. Um, and also, uh, <clears throat> this like this this rivalry existed before I left. I certainly was, you know. Oh, were you did, told? Didn't, didn't help. Well, because Callan had already left. Oh, of course, yes. And so he was a really significant piece. Yep. Um, and there was a couple of things uh, that had happened in games. So I remember Griff, when he was playing at the Dogs, got belted by some uh, – or got, you know, hit really hard one day by – it might have been yep. Jacob Townsend or one of their tougher players – so I think that was a, like one of the initial sparks. That was oh, up wow. in Canberra. Then uh, Jeremy Cameron smashed JJ's shoulder. Okay. I'm not sure if you remember that. That was no, early I... days. It was one of the biggest hits you've ever seen. Just full-blown, full speed, side on side, and JJ's shoulder just, just wow. capitulated. Yeah. <laughs> well, understandable. If yeah. Jeremy Cam- um, and they were both moving. It was one of the biggest hits. I still, you, we should look it up. It's, yeah. um, it's, a, it's a great video to watch. Uh, and then, you know, so that, there, was enough, there was enough sort of um, – uh, uh, fodder for, for disagreement there already. And then, wow. obviously, there was games on games of, of tough, close games, and then also I obviously moved and yeah. really blew the lid off the whole thing. So <laughs> um, even now, it's obviously lingering, and, you know, they've sort of been really aggressive, and it worked quite effectively a couple of years ago in the um, elimination final, really yes. went after Bont. And, yeah. um, so, I mean, look, the, the rivalry is strong, and it's a really, I think it's a really healthy one. I mean, it's Absolutely. a great thing for footy. It's Absolutely. a great thing to watch. It gets us, uh, you know, it gets eyeballs on the screens. The neutrals always want to watch the Giants and the Dogs, and I think it's, you know, it, it's the hardest thing for a lot of clubs is getting the column inches and for, you know, terms they use on footy classified, relevancy. And this absolutely gives us uh, legitimate relevancy. And it's it's also good. And look, as much as I do dislike the Giants, I really res- I respect them as a foe. You know, I would bow towards them like a, like Cobra Kai versus Miyagi Do. They are, you know, and 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 you know the worst part is when they beat us. I'm always so angry, but that song always cheers me up. That yeah. that would have been the Cat worst. Empire. It's, I think exactly, they, it. they yeah. did. Yeah. yeah, that would have been the worst thing about leaving the Giants. You you know, Sons of the West is a great song, yeah. but. Look, a big, big sound is the best song in the league. Well, yeah, and I mean, particularly when we first heard it, we're like, gee, it's sort of a bit boppity. But then when you actually sing it as a team, yeah, as the Giants, which I admittedly only did a couple of times. <laughs> Once was against the Bulldogs. Actually, that's another good point. The last game of the season, which is my... 13, I think 14, it was. 14. 14, which is my last game at the Giants. Oh, wow. I was um, a part of the last play of the game, which involved Gia. Uh, Devin Smith. Yeah. Also, actually, initially involved Jake Stringer dropping an easy chest mark. That's it. That's then it. the ball went up the other end. I handballed it to Devon. Devon ran down, and Adam Trelaw is running right next to him, absolutely screaming for the thing, which is funny because he obviously ended up with yeah. Bulldogs. <laughs> and then Devon kicks this unbelievable goal from 50 on the run to seal the game. Yeah. Um, really extraordinary, sort of uh, full circle. And that was the last. So we the next the next round one next year we've got Tom Boyd and we've got Luke Beveridge. Yeah. So that really was a turning point for the club. Yeah, and um, look, it was devastating, obviously for Gio as well, and he, it was his final game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it wasn't without a, a really sort of angst filled off season. I mean, when I arrived, there was no uh, no coach, no coach. That's right, no CEO, no captain. Yeah, actually, I think Simon was still there, Garlic, when I got there, but he was. He, he yeah. moved on yeah. like a month afterwards. 
He's now at Freo, isn't he? CEO at yeah. Freo? Yeah. Yep. And doing really, really well, um, which is great. Well, they're going to win the of their favourites to win the AFLW. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah power to him. Absolutely. Um, I would, and genuinely, I would. I think it'd be really good. I think it's. Uh, I, I, I would love the fun fact that uh, Dockers women won a flag before the men. Mm. I think that would. That yeah, would that's that's cool. a good story. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, for obviously, sure. I don't want it to happen this year. I want the dogs to win it. But if I had the dogs yeah. can't win it in the AFLW, we're sort of in Dockers. touch at the moment. But we're we're also sort of just on the the precipice of making the the top six, right? And yeah. So we're yeah, sort we're of s- in amongst it at the moment. Seventh, and we got a we got a tough run with the uh, the kangaroos this week. Then the Crows, but then we got um, Richmond too. Yeah, hey, let me ask you this: just uh, on AFLW, w- have you have you been to many AFLW games? Only only one, I think. Yeah, the vibe is very different to men's games. I think everyone it's a, it's a bit more relaxed, and I think everyone's just sort of acknowledged that these women aren't paid enough to, for us to yell. Uh, you know, aggressively at them. So everyone's a bit sort of, you know, so, yeah, all right, if they drop a mark, you're disappointed, but you're not going, you dickhead, what are you doing? So everyone's chilled out. However, Katie Brennan was our captain and has walked out. Can we boo her? Uh, I, yeah, again, I haven't been to too many games. So I, I, look, I'm not a fan of booing as a whole. I don't really understand the function of it. It's like, because it takes so much effort, because you're, you're scanning the field. Yeah. You're trying to work out where the ball's going. The same time you're trying to work out where Katie in this case would be. Yep. Which means you're not watching oh, so you're the game. Talk, you're, I thought you were talking as a player. You're talking as a fan. As a fan. Yep. And then you're trying to work out where Katie is because you have to work out where she is if you're going to boo her, which is ridiculous because you're not watching the game. So I don't understand. I mean, like, it just... Wait, we're multitasking. It's, yeah, uh, well, and, and also trying to watch the, the two toddlers and carry a, <laughs> carry a, a 4X or whatever you get served. A 4X? You know, Mate, you will not get a forex at Witten Oval. It what is do they all get mid-strength Carlton's up. No, no, it's great. This is why I genuinely love AFLW, especially at Witten Oval. You got amazing food trucks with like dumplings, a lot of multicultural stuff, and you've got um, yeah different craft beers available. And you can also get VB. They know their roots. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know who's in charge of catering at Witten Oval, but they have nailed it. Yeah, well, they have made a massive effort, and it's power to them. And this is sort of one of the things that I wanted to touch on today is that having spoken to a lot of the people involved in the AFLW as the sort of litmus test for this new AFL season that's coming up. Power to them because they are trying to schedule games and they are getting five oh. or six days notice. Yes. You know, it's improved slightly in the last month or three weeks probably. But up until then, they were just, you know, you have to balance. And I always say this about AFL um, or BFL players as well. So they have to juggle life, um, logistically, jobs, um, families, you know, all of these different things whilst being professional athletes yep. and getting paid pennies on the dollar compared yep. to the AFL guys. And, and staying off social media because every dickhead and his dog will troll you. And at the same time, having to be on social media to make a living yeah, and also to, you know, garner interest for the competition. Yep. So it's this incredible balancing act that I go through and the people and the players and so everyone who's involved in the whole industry is really setting a standard for how quickly um, it sort of reminds me of that um, South Park thing with the six days to create their episodes six days to wear great right. documentary it's just a ridiculous concept that you have to capture everything topical and everything in such a short amount of time yeah for, I, I think we should explain to any listeners who don't know what we're talking about there South Park the uh, the, the kids cartoon of oh, Grown Ups cartoon show, uh, there's a documentary called Six Days to Wear, which shows that they literally make an episode of that in six days. Like Simpsons, they make an episode over seven months. 
Uh, whereas because it's a cheaper animation, it's amazing what they churn out and you see the psychological damage that it's doing to Trey Parker and Matt Stone, but they've been doing it 20 years. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Insane. Great documentary. And, and it is really like quite comparable to trying to get this huge machine, which is the AFLW's program, and I'll just talk about the Bulldogs for the time being. They've got to get them ready and raring as players, coaching staff, support staff, volunteers, event space, everything in five or six days due yep. to this whole pandemic thing over the summer. It's like and the the final scene of that Wallace and Gromit uh, movie where they're on the train, uh, the toy train, and Wallace is throwing down the tracks as it goes. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it is yeah genuinely brilliant and 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 then, so you go you go along just also seeing live sport. Everyone's so excited, but to see us be a young side suddenly winning, it's yeah. been it's been really good. And that's I'm actually yeah uh, one of the things we're going to be doing on this pod is a thing called story that struck us mm. during the week. And I want to just I want to just mouth off about. I'm getting very sick of people saying. Isn't it great footy's back? And it's like, no, footy's been. I've been to four or five games already. Footy's been back. It's people like it, 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 the AFLW started in January. I, I just, I'm, I'm almost lost for words of like, how are you so dim that you would say phrases like, oh, thank God footy's back? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's probably lacking a little bit of, um, you know, thought behind it. But I, I think, you know, what's been really interesting for me with AFLW when I try and actually break down what it's done. It's like culturally it sort of was a really significant moment for Melbourne as live sport, sort of the psychology of Melbourne kicked back in because we didn't get to see the cricket really. It was really yeah. under a massive cloud the whole time. Yeah, We didn't really get to enjoy the BBL in the way that we have in the past and that's mainly television viewership yeah. anyway I mean, these do, days. Right? Do you know anyone who's passionate about BBL? I, I know everyone, I know people who watch it, but no, I don't know anyone who has a team. Like, you sort of just turn it on and go, oh, cool, yellow's playing purple. Yeah, I think uh, my manager, Liam Pickering, has been with the Renegades for the past seven or eight years, and they've finished just about bottom every single year. Oh. So he's, uh, he's gone through a bad patch, Pickers. But um, he's probably the only guy who I know that has a team. And then I think for, you know, the real earmark of sport returning to Melbourne and community sport as well, because in a way, when you play an AFLW game at, at Wynn Oval, it does represent the community. And, yeah. and that's not something we've had for... 18 months. And and I can tell you as a fact that the community sporting element has, and, and that being absent, has played such a huge role in people's psyche over the last 12 months. It's so important for people and the AFLW can really bring it back in vogue and has, I suppose, over the last month, which has been brilliant. I completely agree, yes. Yeah, sporting clubs are the, the new uh, churches, really. Like the whole point of church back in the old days uh, was, you know, obviously you know people were a lot more religious, believing in God, thinking they're going to heaven, but it was the one place where the whole village would get together at the same time every week, and you would go and you'd watch, you know, the mass or whatever, but then you'd talk afterwards, and then and you would all get together, and, and you know, Australia's not a religious country anymore, and that's definitely on the downside, and sporting clubs, Auskick is where I see the other dads from school, not just at drop-off, that's where, and, um, you know, because our kids are doing drills for 45 minutes, you have an actual chat and learn what they do and and how you can help each other you know with uh, and yeah I, definitely the aflw games have been great i've been to as i said like three or four at Whitnoble. i'm seeing the same faces I'm, I'm chatting to people and getting to know them it's it's brilliant yeah and i think it represents one of the things when i you know from a mental health perspective which is obviously something i'm really cognizant of i mean everything in our lives that is sort of ties us down to you know normality and reality being you know our communities and sporting clubs are one of them and and you know our workplaces are another that was sort of taken away, at least in person. Yep. Yep. 
um, you know, our, our relationships that we form, both new and old, are all really important to us. And as sort of we move back into, um, without wanting to say the words COVID normal ever again, <laughs> um, it's great to have um, the real representation of who we are as a, as a city and as a community, more specifically in the Western suburbs, with football back in town, which has been wonderful in the last sort of five or six weeks. Yeah, and you don't have to be from the Western suburbs. You just, because uh, I've, I've, I've born and bred Northern suburbs. Yeah, but we are special in the Western suburbs. And, and uh, the West... <laughs> Western Bulldogs, as a as an absolute reality, at least what struck me was that you've never seen a football club so entrenched in their suburb. I mean, you know, there's plenty of clubs that will argue, but the Western yeah. suburbs just seem to be really entrenched, not only in the broader Western region, but also right in the hub, particularly so they're so close to Barclay Street there, to the to the Footscray community. Yeah, you're not you're not seeing too many uh, Magpies players hanging out on Smith Street. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. I mean, Olympic Park's not really Collingwood, is it? It's kind no. of like you're on the Yarra. Um, you're in right. that hub. You're sort of protected yeah. from everything. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, even – I mean, Richmond probably have got a, a decent claim. But, yeah. you know, yeah. because – well, in the aftermath of the grand finals, Swan Street turned into an absolute mosh oh, pit. It so looked like a leper. representation. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, we, we, we were lucky enough to, on the night the Bulldogs won the men's grand final, we were at uh, uh, Jeff's Shed for the official uh, function, which was great. But there's a part of me that regrets not going down Barclay Street because uh, apparently Footscray was just a light and all the pubs ran out of beer, and but everyone was just hugging and it would have been magical. Yeah, I mean, we got to see the aftermath of it and, and probably the more family element of it the next morning. Oh, which, yeah. Which was... That was the best just day. Just phenomenal, right? I felt I like mean, Kim Jong-un up on that balcony. Are <laughs> <laughs> you just say anything and the crowd erupted? Uh, well, you know, I was looking at it and the weather couldn't have been better. Yeah? The, uh, the Had you slept? Yeah, yeah. Cool. I'd, I'd had a few hours. I mean, we didn't get out of the function until one thirty. Yeah, we got. I remember getting booted out, talking to Peter Gordon and the security's like, oh, you got to go, you got to go. And yeah, I kept yeah. pointing at Peter Gordon going, don't you know who he is? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. The Exhibition Centre showed no friendship to us. Um, Oh, yeah, and also, um, uh, I don't know who's in charge of this. I'll just say God. Daylight saving started that night, so we were denied an hour of sleep anyway. Right, exactly, exactly. And then, yeah, we we all sort of knew we had to be there, so we had to meet at... um, I think it was a Prince Albert, or Prince Alfred in Williamstown, somewhere down there. Okay. Um, so we met there first thing and, um, yeah, that was, you know, Palmer and chips for breakfast. Brilliant. You've <laughs> earned it. <laughs> I, I never ate so much fried food in my life. But, yeah, sort of to really be a part of the, the family aspect that morning, standing up on stage. And, again, the, like the weather just made so the good. day. It was yeah. just brilliant. Perfect, perfect temperature. Just 40,000, 50,000 fans just sitting there just – Obviously wrapped with the whole situation. It was a uh, it was a day to remember for sure. My mate has a story of that. Uh, he was uh, he's not a Bulldogs fan, but he was flying from Dallas to uh, Melbourne, and uh, as he was on the tarmac at Dallas, he was watching the first quarter of the grand final, and then of course they say you know turn your phones off and everything. Fly to Melbourne. That's it's like twenty hours, eighteen hours, and then as they're coming into Melbourne, he's like, oh god, I wonder who won. And then as he's coming down, he could see the big crowd at Witten Oval. Oh, and, he wow. went, and he's, he's taken a photo. I'll, I'll put it up on our socials. And that's when he knew the dogs had won. It is truly extraordinary, some of the stories. But we do have to look forward. We do. To we this can't. year. We are going to do – look, inevitably, we're going to talk about 2016 a lot on this podcast, so don't worry. It'll yeah. happen. Uh, we've got some – set. we're going to have a guest every episode and we'll go through questions. Uh, one of them is, where were you on October 1st, 2016? Tom Boyd, where were you October 1st, uh, 2016? Uh, I was at um, 
in Richmond and then I was <laughs> in, I think it's South Wharf. Is that where the exhibition centre is? So I think so. Doc Lansy sort of area. Yeah. It's pretty sort of dead around. You just, yeah, just you just took in a gig. You went and saw The Living End, Advanced Joy. I went to uh, see uh, Peter do a wonderful long speech. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, we should tell that story. At, um, at the Bulldogs' official function, Peter Gordon got up to give a speech and I believe the players hadn't eaten yet after the game. Yeah, I can't. I think he ended up serving anyway. You know, it was actually funny about it. As long as it was, because it was he, like he a spoke for an hour. Yeah, it was a long speech, and it, 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 you know, it wasn't a prepared speech. He was, no. he was, he was, he was improing. And might add, it all made sense, which was strange. That was an hour of sense, which I was like, I was, oh, this is too long. And I also had the absolute um, unbelievable experience of being able to share that basically that hour with my dad because me and him oh, nice. sort of snuck off to the bar in the corner. Oh, brilliant. And so we, no fans bothering us at that time. We love you all, the fans and everything, but, you know, it was a pretty special yep. moment. Yep. Um, so me and dad just sat there and sort of stood there next to each other, next to the guy with the bar and just kept putting our hand out when we needed another Perfect. beer. It was, it was really, really nice. Um, and one of the few moments really for the next, I don't know, week that we got to spend quality time with my, my folks and my family. So, Who threw the, the bread roll at Peter Gordon? No idea. Someone, I, one, someone, I didn't even know. One of the happened. players was just like, Pete, I'm starving. Can you wrap this up? And they picked no up their idea. bread roll. I didn't even know that happened. Which if honest. they were that starving, could have eaten the bread roll, but they were probably still in footy player mind. No, no, no empty carbs. No empty, no empty carbs. <laughs> yeah, no empty carbs. All right, let's preview uh, this year's uh, men's. Now, you, oh, your story that struck yeah, you. Yeah, oh, that's what I was going to say. It's, um, look, really interesting time of year. I mean, the last 10 days of preseason, amazingly challenging. Um, mentally, what? physically... All of them are surely. Like, is it is is the night before preseason starts the worst night of the year for a footy player? Because you very, know the pain is coming. Oh, uh, very daunting. I mean, yeah. I, I've never been the best runner, um, <laughs> so that's always a, a nice little. Oh, Adam Cooney once told me you have to come back. Uh, well, I don't know which coach this was under. You had to come back and do a PB. Yeah, I running. think that was under Brandon. Um, oh, cr- now, brutal. We have obviously certain parameters that are set for off season. Um, I don't of it anymore, but yeah, um, yeah. What did you? So when you 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 finish the the season, you have your exit interview. By the way, that sounds like hell on earth, but we'll talk about that some other time. What homework do they give you? Um, so there's a few markers that we follow, and it, it varies year to year, and, and club to club, it'd be significantly different. I mean, we obviously we um, have to have a running target, which for us was an MAS running target, which MAS is. Uh, can't even remember what the acronym stands for, but it's basically like a capacity of your max aerobic. Um, oh, okay. Well, ma- maximum aerobic steroid. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely <laughs> speed. Maximum aerobic speed. I, I, it may be. It may be. I don't. Cool. I don't actually know. But essentially, what it is is a circular beep test. So Ooh. it's a four hundred meter beep test that the beep speed up, and you go from you do two minutes at every kilometer um, per hour, starting at ten. So you do. It's 10, 11, 12. So if you make – so once you hit 17, it's really game on for a lot of players, and that's essentially you're 12 minutes in, which is a So lot. you've already run for 12 minutes, and now right. you've got to run at 17 kilometres an hour. Right. And that's where the it goes downhill for a lot of players, very, including me, obviously, yeah. very quickly then. Um, <laughs> Don't ask muggles. Uh, I'm having an asthma attack just here. Yeah, right now, it's really quite challenging. Um, anyway, so, I mean, that's one of the most daunting things. And then try and obviously manage off-season training. Some players do it better than others. So, you know, I always went overseas to try and surf. So – that helped me in some ways, but then I would, often my strength would be down because I'd be surfing, not doing gym. But yep. is what it is. Um, but when you get to the end of the preseason, the one, and this is sort of what I really wanted to um, focus on today, which is one of the challenging pitches. The last four weeks is a really hard time as a footballer because you're going in and out of games and training. And so you might, you might play a game on the Saturday 
And then by the Wednesday, you're expected to be in pre-season mode again. So instead of a normal Wednesday, which would be five or six Ks, you're doing 10 or 11 again. Oh. And you're also expected to continue your th- sort of three or four days a week um, in the weight room yep. whilst coming off the back of corkies, knocks, um, you know, severe soreness that you haven't had all pre-season because you've yep. done a f- your first game. And then inevitably and invariably comes the injuries that come at this time of year. Yeah. Now, we saw a couple of those in the, the final uh, dress rehearsal. Yeah. I still call it the Foster's Cup in my head. I know it's, <laughs> it's been 10 sponsors Was since the, then. Yeah, the NAB Cup, uh, the Wizard, Wizard Home Loan Cup. Anset had a go. Yeah. Uh, JLT, obviously. I think we won the Wizard Cup. Hang on, I'm yeah. just going to go over We're recording this at, at my house. Uh, I'm just going to, uh, Tom, you fill for a bit with your thoughts and I'm going to find the, the DVD I have yeah. of when we won the preseason cup. Yeah, um, yeah, well, this will be good. Um, but it, it certainly is a really tough time of year. And, and these injuries that come, it's rather defeating because you've obviously gone through months and months of effort, training, specifically off the back of last year where you exit the hub in sort of September, October, later than most players normally do. And then you straight back into preseason really quickly. And then now you've gone through essentially what it must feel like it's a 2010 NAB Cup Grand NAB Final. Grand Sweet victory for the Bulldogs. Do you know why I bought this on DVD? Because I thought it might be the only time I see us win silverware. Yeah. Well, we got close a few years. That was during the, the, the good years, wasn't it? That was yeah. the prelim years. And we beat St Kilda, who always uh, seemed to... Yeah, pip. Yeah, that's right. Pip us in finals, which is very annoying. But suddenly you're sort of at this stage where... Um, you know, you've, you've finally gotten to what seems like the precipice of the season and then you have, you know, Hayden Crozier needs surgery in his AC joint. You know, it's, it's a really devastating feeling because... You've done all the work. And you've gone through the hell, which is transitioning from pre-season to games. Yep. And now you've got to do it all over again. And it's oh. really tough. And I, I feel for a lot... Of, and we've had some significant injuries in the AFL and I wonder if that's part and parcel of the, the game um, having less time off. And it's definitely sped up. I mean, it looked so fast last week weekend with those rule changes. It did, yeah. And then also, yeah, less preparation and then knees, elbows. How do you – what is the, the best way to psychologically recover from an injury? Because you'd also be – you know, you would have just been building up for this thing that you're so excited about at the start of the season and then it's taken away. You'd be grieving for it. Yeah, I, it really depends on the injury. And I mean this really explicitly. If you have a chronic pain issue or a chronic issue that's been going on for long – terrible to deal with really hard for everyone yep. um because there's not really a solution at that stage and you're trying to mitigate playing and you know not playing and training and not training and also the obvious pain you're in but when you have surgery i think the first little bit is really really tough um if you have an acl i've never done one of those it's too long for it not to be tough it's yep. like a year of um trials and tribulations but i would imagine for a guy like crows he's a really good nick um very professional, looks after himself. I'd imagine, I think it's an eight-week injury or something. He's probably going through, it'll be a tough couple of weeks and then there'll be very clear markers that he needs to hit after that. And so it becomes very process-oriented, which makes it a bit easier. Yeah, I, I think. imagine for, for footy players, that's that's good. As long as I can tick these boxes, then we're on the right track. Yeah, and I think it's really the, the people that struggle most, say with an ACL, I remember Mitch with his leg, you know, you'd yeah. get going and then you'd be at what you felt like was a good stage, but there's just a roadblock in front of you that says you can't progress because we say so for the next six weeks. Because you, oh. you start running after an ACL quite quickly. Yeah. You don't start games for another six months after that. You know, I think it's three months in you do um, running, basically, yep. from surgery, then nine months you train. So it's like six months where you can just cross-train and run. 
I imagine the closest that a, a civilian would feel to this is when last year, if you're in Melbourne, when we were coming out of lockdown and uh, then, you know, the, the Premier would come on and go, all right, we've done this much so you can meet one person outside. And it's like, no, come on, there's no cases. All right, now you can meet two people, but you've got to wear a mask. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's, if, if it's, it's not a bad, it's just probably as close as you can get. I mean, it's really hard for civilians to understand or people who aren't professional athletes to understand exactly what it's <laughs> what, like. What do you call us? I, I've used the term muggles, civilians. What do you, what do you call us non-athletes? Normies? People. People. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, probably, probably it depends. If they're fans, they're fans. And um, yeah. that can have a, a great and not so great connotation depending on what <laughs> context it's used in. There's good fans and toxic fans, yeah. Well, well there's also a, a time for fans and a time for <laughs> personal space. Yes. And, um, you know, you can imagine... Which Tom Boyd now, by the way, if you ever see him on the street, he since he's not a professional athlete anymore, come up and tell him your opinions. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Is there uh, any player that actually loves it and, and you know, who would, would genuinely love feedback all the time? I can't imagine that there's anyone. Well, it depends what relationship they have with the fans, I suppose. I mean, some players definitely have more colloquial, like laid-back relationships with fans than others, yeah. um, you know, cult heroes of the like. But yeah. I can't imagine too many players. I mean, I never liked the sort of um, the imposition on my life, if you will, because, you know, I'm a – relatively relaxed, normal-ish sort of person. And then when you get people that want to come up and to sort of ride in your face and good or bad, you know, initially yeah. it was bad and then later it was good and it was bad again. And they thought it changes all the time. Yeah. It's a really tough It's a really tough conversation to facilitate because often the person who's approaching you has spent long periods of time preparing for this Yes, and you've had zero time. And it's the highlight of their week, possibly month. Who knows? And yeah. it's all in your hands. But yeah, during the summer, I saw Toby Green at um, at an uh, down in Anglesey at, yeah. a, at a Surf Lifesaver Club. My neck of the woods. Your neck of the woods. Yeah. And uh, so you, do you and Toby hang out down there? No, I haven't, I haven't seen him down there much, which surprised me. Maybe he was just down there for the weekend. I'm not I sure. Just, yeah, I saw him and then, you know, initially, you know, you'd go, oh, there's Toby Green. And you, you, go into, <laughs> you go into footy mode and it's like, oh, there's, you know, and there's a voice in your head going, go and have a dig at him. He can't believe he did that to Bond. And you go, leave him alone. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And then another one going, well, do I go up and make a smart-ass comment or something? And, yeah, you know, I just left him alone because, you, know, you know, he's there yeah. for dinner or whatever but also but I can imagine so many people especially Toby Green would get guys who want to fight him yeah yeah I imagine I, 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 don't, I don't know I mean I, I imagine Sydney's good for him um, in yeah. that sense I mean Sydney's good for a lot of high profile players good and bad um, I think look the golden rule for approaching a player is, is generally around if they're doing something that is taking up 100% of their attention which is eating dinner or yes. talking to someone else yep. don't go up and interrupt just wait and be respectful. Um, and then, you know, if it's a more casual situation, they're having a beer, you sort of make eye contact with them and they sort of recognise that they know who you know who they are. Yeah. Just be respectful. Well, just, most a, just a thumbs up. Yeah, and, and, sh- and short's you good. You can go up and say your piece as long as it's not too, you know, imposing in terms of the, the content. And, and be in and out in 35, 45, 50 seconds. Yeah. And everyone leaves feeling good. Yeah, you go and linger and linger and linger for ten minutes. It's really hard for a lot of players to deal with. And if you see any comedians that you know, um, feel free to go up, tell them they're funny. Um, don't offer them a joke. 
Uh, or tell them to tell you a joke. Yeah, oh, oh, you're God, a comedian, yeah. are you? Tell me a joke. Yeah, no, don't do that. I don't. Not many people do that, thank God. Um, uh, but if you see me on the street and you want to talk bulldogs, man, that's my favourite subject. Happy to do it. <laughs> Happy to do it. So I'm sort of lucky in that regard in that I'm if I'm walking down the street, I'm very rarely recognised. If I have my bulldog scarf, uh, scarf on going to the game, then I get a few like, oh, you're that guy. And then when people come up, I've got the game to talk about. So I'm very happy to chat to people. Yeah, and it's a nice natural thread that you can follow yeah. and pull on rather than just being like, you did this for this person in my life. And, you know, sometimes it's really, really nice, but it's extremely uncomfortable in times. Yeah. You know, and we're, I'm so gracious to all the people who tell me all the good things that have happened, you know, in connection with the Bulldogs. But it's. Um, Do you get many Giants fans coming up going, hey, mate, how, what was your best moment at the Giants? Uh, good question. I, I don't know. Um, Do you kick any winners or. Big grabs. I remember looking at your highlights reel when you got when you came over, and we were all really excited. Yeah, well, yeah, my highlights reel probably was okay. The rest of my game was pretty average. I mean, I was young and you know not fit enough, um, too heavy and strong and all that sort of. We thing. couldn't just, tell. Yeah, it was just. But when you cut it down, it looked pretty good. Right? Yeah, I mean, it looked that great. Was, <laughs> was, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, winning your first game is always nice. Um, yeah. Who was, was that good. against? I think it was against Carlton. Um, yeah, nice. Which was my team that I supported growing up, um, which is cool. And I kicked a late goal in that game. There you go. I think that's right. So do you ever get Giants fans coming up to you? Oh, mate, I remember you Maybe kicking the winner right. against Carlton. Sure. No, not, I definitely didn't kick the winner. I kicked a goal in the last quarter. And that was my first ever goal, definitely. But actually, yep. I'm not sure if we won that game. I might have been completely misremembered. Mate, we change our memories. Well, Bob Murphy always gets told he kicked the winner against Carlton in his first game. But it wasn't. It was like the second last goal. But yeah, I a, don't care. And yeah, he I, had two touches. That's, a, that's the two touches for the day story. Was he, Hoss, he came on and barely touched the ball, and then he kicked this mongrel through. He did, yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. think I've heard that story before. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was always told it was the last goal again. That makes it better. <laughs> My goal might be remembered as the last goal of the game, except Picos was so good. So, <laughs> oh, your one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. People always, I always say, you know, your tomboy kicked the winner. I could also say Liam Pickin kicked the winner. Uh, Liam kicked the winner, definitely. I mean, I think. Um, I think my goal was probably, you know, definitely the point where it seemed most likely. For the first time, it seemed almost improbable that we would lose. Yeah. I mean, there's only four, four minutes to go. We didn't know that. I can t- Well, I, I've told this story a few times, but um, I was sitting near Will Anderson yeah. uh, and Will got a text from a friend when, there was, when, when Toby McLean got the free kick to kick the yeah, last kick of the game. And he said, uh, he just leaned in, uh, he got a text that said 10 seconds left and he leaned into me and he said, we've got this. And I turned around and I said, you shut the f- up, you shut the f- up <laughs> and then the siren went and uh, and we hugged but I just uh, did not believe it until our good friend Toby didn't he miss a wonderful opportunity yes that and would have been the greatest photo of all time for him if he could have kicked that goal and we um, and we were uh, me and my mates talk about this uh, Dennis Cometti you know the, the wordsmith this is his final call ever and yeah. he says he misses but they don't miss I'm like ah, it's not your it's not your Finish with a bang, yeah. Guess. Maybe he was. I mean, look, once the siren got, and it's sort of the siren came when he was in his run up, right? So it was, yeah, it probably yeah. was a little off putting. Um, but yeah, I mean, imagine that Toby kicks a goal, he can turn around to the you know, 100,000 people with all of the boys behind him, yes, or even uh, like bef- Toby, work on your goal kicking, even before he kicked it, like just throw the ball up in the air, like Darren Mullane in 1990. Yeah. Would have been, yeah, yeah, would have yeah. been great. So what Let we're saying is, Toby, you ruined the day. Uh, <laughs> we should get Toby on. He's not doing anything this year. Yeah, oh, poor Toby. Um, and he, and he's we've still also, doing a bit. He might, so when did he do it? He did his knee at sort of the back end of the year, right? Yeah, right. it was like the third last game against Hawthorne. Yeah, and so he kicked an amazing goal. And then uh, a Hawthorne player landed on him. So it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't friendly fire. But also the, the schedule's obviously been moved 
back in the or forward in the yeah, year. Yeah, he's not so going to play this year. He's yeah, it's going to be really tight. That's, that's, uh, which is a ve- an absolute shame. But which it means... makes it for a long, long preseason. Yeah. If he, though, like... Imagine, you know, if we are as good as we hope to, and we should do a season preview. We've got to wrap up soon. Yeah. Um, imagine we're as good as we hope. And then next year, we've got that great midfield that Toby McLean is rejoining. Mm. I mean... He's, he, I reckon he's one of the most underrated players. I, I certainly think so. Um, he seems to play well wherever they put him. Um, and he's been in and out of the team over the last couple of years, much Which to many of our... Um, baffling. You know, yeah, it, it does seem baffling at times. But, I mean, look, we don't understand the inner balance and workings of the team, and I, and I don't mean to criticise selection. It's because, trust me, it's the, the most difficult thing to do in footy. I mean, Probably, pick, yeah. Picking a team is, is horrible to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially when you're going pretty well. I mean, probably the worst... So when you're going really well... And you know you top of the ladder, like say the Hawks were, and yep. you play twenty five guys for the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're going pretty well, like we've been, which is sort of edge of the eight, threatening right on the precipice of top four, and then we're playing thirty two because we're trying to find that magic mix. Yeah, and players get swallowed up in that process a bit. I think Lin Jong is another one. I yeah, think I well, Lin's, Lin's mainly injury. I would yeah, say that's true. Lin's <laughs> had a horrible run with injury. Mitch, Mitch for a little while. Um, Wallace, he was in and out a little bit in twenty. Uh, 19 it must have been yeah um, and other players have been through it Dunks did it for a bit McRae's been thrown back and forth I mean it happens and it can be used for a number of reasons team balance is one obviously uh, stimulating a player to, to find a little bit more growth in their game is another and there's, yeah. there's you know, copious amounts of reasons why yes, happens. I was shocked JJ played in the uh, the VFL yeah I, I'm not really across um, JJ's situation at the moment I, I, look I think there's there's value to marking the start of the year is a really important point. And part of what I was sort of talking about with the injury thing before is that round one seems like it's worth 15 points on the <laughs> premiership ladder. It does. I mean, that for players, fans, everyone, it seems like they're being all and end all. And good teams tend to start all right and they tend to get some good wins in the first half of the season. But it's not everything. I mean, we we came back and won nine of the last 12 or whatever in 2019, I think, yeah, to make yeah, the finals. Yeah. Yep. Um, before the Giants, we beat won. Us. We won round one though that year against True. Sydney. But but yeah, that first half of the year is really important, and it takes takes a lot of pressure off you know, and it means that the probability of when things go wrong that you can handle it yeah. is obviously higher. You're building a safety net. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, it is a really important time, and that sort of plays into the injury, the psychology of being selected, form, uncertainty. Um, there's a thousand things that's going on in this ten days. Because yeah. they don't release the teams to the players either until next Thursday. Oh, you really? Know? You don't get a call? Well, so Richmond are playing Wednesday, so oh, they'll yeah. know their team on Tuesday probably. But for the five or six blokes whose position's up in the air at every club, might be three or four at other clubs, might be more um, for the clubs who've been struggling, but it's a daunting period to go through. How's Buku Kamas playing three quarters of the VFL and then two quarters of the AFL no, in the same day. Yeah, well, part and parcel of the situation, right? I mean, so the Bulldogs historically have always played like 22 players. We played 22. Yeah. Um, we do a full dress rehearsal. Um, but uh, the, forget the young fellow's name. He got a hit pointer. Oh, Latham, sorry, had a hit pointer. So he came out at halftime. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, so that was uh, or just him. before halftime. I love him. He's, he's the best. He's so good. Against Melbourne last year, he just played with proper arrogance that yeah. I really like. Oh, I think he's from Shepparton, right? He's a tough kid. He went to—I know he went to school with Bailey Smith. They were at, at, uh, Xavier. Is it Xavier? Is it? I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. All the all the Blazers look. Yeah, alike. yeah. I'm pretty sure he's from Shepparton. I may be wrong. Don't. But sorry, Latham. We, it's a it's a Dutch name. Well, we oh yeah um, we we had, I think we used to call him Shep Dog because he was from Shepparton. 
um, when he was just got to the club. But I only played with him for five or six months. So, so Latham Vandermeer, I don't know if you're old enough to, to get this reference, but Vandermeer Industries is what I call him to reference Seinfeld Vandalay Industries. Yeah, not, not me, I don't know. And Patrick Lipinski, the Pinsky file, another great Seinfeld reference. They're both too young to get their own nicknames. Yeah, well, maybe their parents are into it, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that would make sense. Um, All yeah, right, we should so- wrap up. Uh, Tom, uh What's your optimism for this year for the men's uh, like and, and the women's? Where, where do you think we're gonna we're gonna finish up in both of those? I think we're right in touch in the AFLW, so you know th- things can go our way. I mean, realistically, going to be predicated on the next two weeks. Yeah. Um, always want to have a nice, easy run home. So uh, positive, optimistic for the AFLW for the for the for the men's. I think if we can work out how we transition the ball from the midfield to the forward half, which I means is always difficult in the um, whatever cup it's called at the moment. Amy, is it back to Amy? That's but it's yeah. actually called the Danny Boyd Cup. We just oh, the got Danny sponsorship. Boyd Cup, right? Yeah, eight thanks. star energy cup. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> thankfully for that, that's um, that's a it's a massive issue. If we can get that right, you know, we can use Bruce and Norton. I mean, I think we'll will be uh, our year could be anything really. I mean, our midfield is just stacked, so yeah, we have to wait and see. But that's probably the number one. What about you? What have you What have you got on your plate as a as a casual? Shall we call you? <laughs> I prefer Muggle. I'm going to go with Muggle. Um, there's nothing casual about my fandom, by the way. Uh, it takes up a lot of my uh, active brain space. Um, women, I feel we are very good, uh, but I think our best is a couple of years away, and I think a period of dominance is coming. Uh, I think we will get make finals, and I think we'll win a final. I don't know if we can knock off teams like Adelaide and Frio in a final situation just yet. I'm very happy to be proven wrong. Uh, but I think Ellie Blackburn's got a few more Premiership Cups uh, being lifted in the future. Men, uh, yeah, again, ridiculously optimistic, which is unnatural, but... Uh, An uncomfortable feeling. It is, yeah, because the, the footy gods are very cruel, especially to us. Um, but I feel top four is beckoning. I, yeah. I would be very disappointed if we weren't there uh in you know in the second and third week of finals i think we should be there in september for sure oh um, definitely winning, yeah, a that fi- is. winning a final seems to be yeah level that we- oh not making finals would be an absolute fail for mm. this this yeah which list. is which is probably what every 14 of the teams are saying at the moment right like, yeah but f- you know 13 of them are evil yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm very optimistic and i think we are we have the right people in place to uh to have a really successful run so so yeah, and we're going to be here probably every couple of weeks uh, at, um, at here at Danny Boyd. Um, we're going to be having a, having guests, and uh, we we want you to get involved. We've got a Facebook page and a Instagram page uh, and an email address, by the way, Danny Boyd uh, Bulldogs at Gmail Send us through. Uh, we're going to do listener mail. So if you have any questions for the great man Tom Boyd or any of their guests or even me, you want to learn how to how to tell jokes. I yeah, can, uh, and Instagram's <laughs> the same at Danny Boyd Bulldogs, um, and also. Don't forget to give 8 Star Energy a follow on Facebook. They've been uh, great supporters and it wouldn't be possible without them today. So, yeah, let's wrap up. Let's wrap up. Also, I've got uh, Melbourne International Comedy Festival uh, at the Imperial Hotel, March 29 to April 4th. The show's called Up and About and it's, uh, yeah, sort of a best of. So it's guaranteed good gear. Tom Boyd is coming one night. I'm coming, yes. Anna and I and my fiancé will be there on the 23rd. You're going to give that away. So that that show's going to sell out now. Yeah, yeah. Bulldogs fans wanting to meet you. Yeah, well, that's good. As long as they're paying attention to the joke teller, we'll be sweet. That's true. Although uh, him watching me requires 100% of his attention, so don't interrupt him. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Exactly right. Okay, thanks for tuning in. Go dogs. Yeah, go dogs. Look forward to next week. I get on my way. 
Riding on past where the doggies play oh, I'm on my own What they say There's no fast way Out of Footscray There's a grinding and a groove And when I go Today's episode was proudly brought to you by 8 Star Energy, creating energy for the future and power you can count on. Follow them on Facebook at 8 Star Energy.